Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Real estate is the perfect investment for women, especially since it balances family, freedom, and flexibility. Plus, women get better results on average than men. Put simply, women excel at real estate. Real Estate Investor Goddesses is for the professional woman who wants to create passive income streams through real estate investing so that you can create wealth, live a lifestyle you want, and make a difference on the planet you came here to make. Monique Hamm created the Real Estate Investor Goddess Millionaire Prep Course to wipe away the most common myths that stop women from getting started, plus the golden keys you need to get started swiftly and easily. Not sure if you've got the necessary resources to invest in real estate? This seven-lesson course will prepare you to begin investing in your multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. Go to realestateinvestorgoddesses.com and see Monique's amazing classes and events or try her free training to get started. That's realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. What makes you feel feminine? And what happens when it's taken away? My guest today, a mom who has a daughter who's been dealing with alopecia since the first grade, learned her hardest lesson when the same thing happened to her. This warrior mom is here to teach us that we should never let anything define us as a woman, especially not how we look. I'm very proud our guest is willing to share her story, something she rarely does publicly. She hopes to educate, inspire, and inform us. Thank you for joining me today, Warrior Women. This is episode 56, and it's part five in our series on femininity. Make sure you listen to episodes 51 through 55 to hear the others on this subject. Thank you for listening and hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review if you're enjoying all these conversations with these brilliant and resilient warrior women. I have a new sponsor. It's the Business Relationship Alliance. That's the Bra Network, guys. I love the Bra Network. It's a network of female entrepreneurs that lift and support each other. Guys, I love this group. I've talked about it many times. They believe in collaboration over competition. They hire women in their own network first, and they have amazing elevated networking events and courses. I've taken many of them. Guys, I can't say enough about the Bra Network. Use my code WARRIOR for 10% off an annual membership. Today on the show, Julie Norris. You may remember her from my cooking and drinking show on Instagram Live. Julie is a chef and restaurateur who graduated from culinary school in 2006 and started a gourmet catering business specializing in corporate celebrations, weddings, and wine-paired culinary events. She became a partner at the Down River Grill located in Spokane, Washington in 2010. Noticing other restaurateurs in need, she created a restaurant consulting company, Savoy Hospitality, where she develops tools and offers resources to help other restaurants in the area with business management, menu development, and innovation in an effort to help grow their business or profitability. Married for 29 years, oh my good golly gracious, to her high school sweetheart, Julie has four kids, one grandson, and two twin grandbabies on the way. Oh my goodness. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. 
Oh my God, Julie, we are so in love. Can you believe, first of all, can you believe we actually met in person? I know that was so amazing. I was so excited when I got your text and you're like, I'm going to be at the more than me event. Are you? And I'm like, yay. I am now hundred percent. I am now. I am going. Now. Yes. No, we, so we have known each other just because we met through more than me. And then I was trying to find a chef to have on my cooking and drinking show. And Tiffany's like, well, there's this great girl, Julie from the down river grill. And then I started following your restaurant and dying over the food you were posting my mouth like <laughs> watering thinking about it right now and then I was couldn't believe that I was going to get to go to Spokane and go to your restaurant yeah <laughs> lost my mind it was like a dream come true <laughs> awesome thank you yeah we loved having you there it was kind of one of those rare moments like right before you guys got there our hood system went down. So yeah. it was like one of those moments where I'm driving there. I know you guys are behind about oh, a few minutes and I get a call from my chef and he's like, I have really bad news. Our hood system just went down. We have another motor. They're trying to install it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, not of course. Hey, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is that totally but, bad enough? And we were yeah, yeah. drama. We needed that too. <laughs> yeah, we did. We needed that right on top of everything else. So basically, they ended up closing the restaurant, and then my chefs still had you and Gwen and everybody that came Wendell in. And Osborne. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We had so much fun, and your food is incredible. And let me tell Thank you, you, I had built this restaurant up in my mind to an actual place where you could never satisfy my the where <laughs> I, how high I had it, and yet you did. Hey, thank goodness. <laughs> you did. Even All coming up with little creative dishes we couldn't cook without without a hood system. So <laughs> yeah, but you did it. You did it. And I have two words words for everyone: gorgonzola fries. I can't yes. do this. Okay. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Let's go back though, Julie. Let's because I don't know you. I know you. I think I know you, but I yes. think there's a bunch of things I don't know. What was it like for you growing up? What did you want to be when you were little? When I was growing up, I loved animals because I grew up kind of on a horse and cattle ranch. And so I always thought that I wanted to grow up and swim with dolphins and like maybe work at SeaWorld. And I know that's like a common thing for people. I don't know why. I didn't realize how common that was for little girls, but I wanted to grow up and swim with dolphins. And so I just thought that would be the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) And uh, where did you grow up? In Spokane, North Spokane on on a ranch that my dad had. And and uh, our nearest neighbor was three miles away. And so I spent a lot of time breaking horses and, you know, herding cattle and all that fun stuff, you know, feeding them in the winter, all that fun stuff. Uh, work. I grew up working, I guess I could say. That's probably the best way to say it. And it was great. It, I learned a lot. It taught me the value of hard work. It taught me to appreciate things that you create or that you help grow with your own hands, you know? Um, yeah. Which I think some, a lot of kids don't even get that experience anymore, right? Like we like right. go to the grocery store and get everything. They don't even know where things really come from. Right, exactly. Or that you have to put effort into taking care of like an animal so that that can then grow and, and prosper and, and things like that, which is which is really cool. So, uh, and but my mom, she was a kind of a city girl and did not cook at all. So even oh, though really? we were on the ranch and had these had a beautiful garden and things, she was a fast food mama. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up eating Taco Time, which is a local uh, little chain restaurant here and Arby's. That was a popular one. And I just thought food was, you know, when you're hungry, just eat whatever you can find and then go on about your day. And I think I was already married 
before I realized that I had a passion for food. We were actually living in Nashville for my husband's graduate program. I mean, when I married him, it, it's definitely true love. He made like $3.19 an hour or something <laughs> crazy like that. And so we were, we were just poor and made our way through all the way through his graduate program. And we decided we were going to celebrate one of these evenings. And we went to uh, a restaurant there that we had never been to before. That was like a nice restaurant. And I went in and I loved the atmosphere. I thought, this is super cool. I like this. And we sat down and I looked at the menu and I'm like, I have no idea what most of this stuff is, but I'm going to order chicken here, chicken. Click. So chose chicken. Little did I know it was chicken piccata. And when I got that and I didn't understand what these little green things were on there, you know, the little capers, I didn't, <laughs> little capers, yeah. I didn't understand why the pasta wasn't just mush, you know, that it was actually al dente. And I took a, and there was like lemons on the plate. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? And I twirled it up and I put it in my mouth. And all of a sudden I was like, holy cow. It was like a whole new world. I, it was the balance of the salty, balance of the acid, balance of the fat. It was just so good. I was just so surprised that how good it was. And suddenly, like, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this again and again and again. Yeah, <laughs> how can I do this? Food, yeah. Yes. Once you have really good food. And and let me say, I did I grew up with parents that were a little bit fancy. Okay. They mm-hmm. my dad, it was the cook of our family mostly. I know that's not true. He they both cooked. He was actually more the like weekend cook and she was more the day-to-day cook person. Mm-hmm. They would get lazy sometimes and feed us like the blue lake beans in the can and the hot dog and macaroni <laughs> and cheese. And we were thrilled. We were like, yes, oh, yeah. we hand that over. But mostly they cooked really good meals and they would have dinner parties and they said they served something called caviar pie, mm. which was like caviar and deviled or, or, uh, eggs, like um, mm-hmm. hard-boiled eggs and creme fraiche, like in this little, like pretty silver thing. Oh, and yeah. I just remember being like, and I'm still like in awe of that today, thinking about how the, how many parties they had and they served caviar and like how fancy that was. But since then I've, I, I mean, of course, as your whole adult life goes, right? I went to France. I had even more incredible meals than I've ever had in my life. Like there's always another level, it seems. That's what's so crazy about food to me and why I should be 500 yeah. pounds because I love oh, it. Oh, me so too. Much. I know. <laughs> yes. But, did, but did, did that make you want to become a chef? Like what was your road to becoming a chef? Well, it definitely piqued my interest majorly. It was like, I should say it's more of a life-changing peak of interest because I suddenly started looking at food completely differently. And I began immersing myself in how were those flavors? How did they all work together? How did this happen? You know, and started, you know, kind of learning how to cook, teaching myself a few things and just realized that this was something that I loved to do. And then I was like, okay, I want to go to culinary school because I need to be able to not just repeat what recipes I can see, but I actually need to understand how to put these things together so I can have balance in a dish. And at the same time, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I kind of get that from my dad. So I'm thinking, okay, so if I go down this path, yes, I want to be a chef, but where do I go from there? And then I, and then it just kind of started all kind of coming together around that. But yeah, it was yeah. a chicken piccata that got me going. I mean, but I love that so much. I love that you grew up having fast food so that you really appreciate it. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you didn't have, you know, you, you, you had to develop your own appreciation and that really came from you. So I love yeah. that. Yep, um, yep. You're in an industry though, that is 
I mean, hello, male dominated. Yes. I mean, oh, absolutely. I did my little research in addition to your research. So it's less than 33% of women are restaurant owners and only 19% are chefs, but 71%, Julie, are servers, of women oh, yeah. are servers. I mean, I feel like that needs to change. I'm sure you agree. Yes, what, definitely. What has been some of the hard things you've had to overcome? I mean, I, let's. we're going to get into the pandemic too, because I just want to know how the hell you still survived that. But <laughs> what are, even before that, what, what are some things you've had to kind of overcome being a woman, F, an entrepreneur and restaurant owner? Oh my goodness. I would say... The best thing that I that I say to myself all this all the time is accept that people or situations are not always fair. Do your best anyway. It was probably you know as I was kind of working my my way up to becoming a restaurant owner and and beyond. I was working uh, for a while as a catering manager, and that was when I realized, oh my goodness, you know I would have never said that there was any kind of a gender bias before. But I realized that there is. I realized that that does happen. You know, um, I could be sitting uh, having a conversation with someone, and and a male in the room could become passionate or emotional or aggressive or whatever, and that was considered strong. That was considered decisive. That was considered he's a good businessman, mm. and he could handle any situation. Look at that. And as a woman, if I showed any kind of emotion, it was oh she can't handle the pressure even even if I spoke the same tone. And so I realized, wait a second, this is way different. <laughs> and I read somewhere that there's this old saying um, around some female business women, and it was your slip is showing and basically means that she's showing her emotions. And so you need to get them back in check. Like, okay, your slip is showing girl. Let's, we gotta, we gotta figure out you're going to lose all your credibility. And that was true. It was not fair, but that was definitely true. I think, though, as time is going on and as there are more women that are really kind of, you know, getting in here and becoming powerful people, that that is changing. And heck, you know, I am definitely one to do everything I can to try to change that. Yeah, it's something I want to change, too, because, you know, you just even going to see you, frankly... I was so proud of you, you know, just getting to be in your place. Like that just feels so good to me. So I, I definitely want women to be chefs and women to own restaurants. I mean, yes, ladies, please. You have four amazing kids. You're married to your high school sweetheart. I need to know for all the women out there, how the hell do you do this, Julie? What the hell is your secret? And you better give me something good because you've been married 29 years. I know. And your kids are awesome too. Like your kids are like, actually they have jobs. They yeah. they are married. They are, yeah. they have grandchildren for you. I yeah. mean, so you have done everything right. So I need the wisdom. Give me something, Julie. Thank you, thank you. I would say, well, yes, I am very proud of, of my kids. I feel like they are definitely finding their way. And I love that they are independent. I love that they are successful. As far as my marriage secret, I would say expect and accept, because those are two different things. Expect and accept progress, not perfection. And understand that you're never going to be perfect either. And so both of those things, you know, we're, we're both equal in trying to understand how to live with each other and how to develop such a, a good, strong relationship that can last. I would also say, be very honest with each other, uh, but at the same time, have grace, 
you know, like, just like you don't want your husband, if you put on a pair of jeans to be able to tell you what he really thinks. <laughs> yes. Tell me well, sometimes, but... <laughs> how great I look in these jeans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's okay. That, you know, that you need to be honest, but you need to have some grace. You need to be slow to anger and always lead to love. I mean, there's a reason, you know, why you choose each other in the first place. And if both, and it's not just one person that has to be, you both have to put a hundred percent in. It's not 50, 50, it's you're both putting in a hundred percent and you need to find ways to remember why you chose each other as often as you can. We just got back from Hawaii and it was probably one of my most favorite, favorite times with, with my husband. His name is Mike. We just were like teenager goofy. I mean, here we are, you know, kissing 50 and like goofballs and it was just so much fun fun and I I loved it and it was great. Where did you go in Hawaii? We went to Kauai or oh sorry that's where we went went last time. We went to Oahu and we went to the Alani Resort so it was really fun. Oh my gosh it sounds amazing. Well good you deserve it you little lovebirds of 29. So I found out something about you, Julie, that I did not know before this interview. When we, I, you know, I sent you a few pre-interview questions just to see like what would we talk about other than what I want to talk about. You have struggled with alopecia. I did not know that. And for everybody who doesn't know, it's an autoimmune skin disease causing hair loss on the scalp, face, and sometimes other areas of the body. And it affects 6.8 million people in the United States, which right. blew my brain, by the way. I didn't realize yeah. how many people are struggling with this but your daughter developed it too at a young age. So tell me about your kind of journey with alopecia and your daughter. Cause I think that's, I mean, as women, we were just talking about it, right? Like, right. And also like, what does it mean to be feminine? Well, what do we like? We like our hair. Hello. Like, you know, it's yeah. That's, that's something we almost take for granted in some ways, like that you were just going to have it like our fertility. We just think, Oh, I can have a baby whenever I want. Guess what? Sometimes no. I want to kind of know what your journey is with that, with you and your daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I had, like you, never even heard of it or even realized it was an issue until I was 23 and I got this weird bald spot like on the back of my head. And so I went to my dermatologist and he's like, oh, this is alopecia. It's no big deal. You know, you're just going to get spots here and there. Enjoy life. And I happened to be pregnant with Aubrey at that exact time, (laughs) which I think is kind of interesting. So I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is all about. And that's kind of what happened with me is for a a long time, I would just lose hair here and then I could hide it. I'd brush my hair a different way or I would get a little extension or whatever and no big deal. And, And then Aubrey, she was great, didn't show any signs or anything until she was in kindergarten. And then she just kind of started to lose quite big chunks, you know, like this half of her head, you know, the whole right yeah, half or something to, like that. Harder to hide. Yeah. To hide. Yeah. And so I started as a parent, I started thinking, you know, how is this going to affect her self-esteem? You know, as she's growing up and she's going to go through school dealing with this. And, and, you know, I don't want, you know, I, I want her to feel impassioned and empowered and, and define alopecia in her life, not have alopecia define her. And so, you know, I really tried to kind of, we had a lot of conversations about it. We went to, there's a national alopecia areata foundation. We went there, we got a lot of resources and, and everything like that. And she, she, uh, at first was very nervous about it. She lost all of her hair in first grade. Then it grew back. Oh, first And grade. then, yeah, it grew oh. all back. And then third grade, she lost it again. 
And then it was kind was of it something- triggered by anything, Julie? Like, was was there anything stressful going? Because I've heard it's like a stress thing too. Um, it can, but it also has a mind of its own. And she didn't really have any kind of stress right. stressors going on. And so, I mean, I'm sure losing her hair is stressful. Well, that's so, a stressful. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the biggest right. thing. But there was nothing you could point to and say, no. oh, we were in a car accident and she was so freaked out by that. You know, right. right. There's nothing you could do. Nothing like that. Okay. No, not that I can think of. And and so she just decided, you know, she had this this time to kind of think about it. Do you want to wear wigs? Do you want to wear hats? Do you want to, what do you want to do? And she's like, you know what, mom, this is me. And I'm just going to do my own thing. If I decide to wear a hat, I'll wear a hat. If I decide not to, I won't. And no, I don't want to wear wigs. They're itchy. And I was like, okay, you know, this is how we're going. And she just, she kind of just kept going. And some people, I mean, they would make fun of her all the time. They'd call her Mr. Clean. They'd call her a boy. They'd call her, you know, gay. They'd call her whatever, whatever they could think of. People are just that way. Some kids are just that way. And I remember walking through Costco at one point and people would just look at her. And I remember these two adults, like both of them, like zero in on her and they're like staring at her and I'm thinking, oh no, no, no. So I stare right back at them. And I'm like, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> and I glance up from her and I make eye contact and I just give it this look like, seriously, you're just going to stare at my daughter. And then I realized, okay, mama bear's got to like duck back just a little bit and I need to help create a positive, you know, cause I don't want her to be angry at, at the way people respond to her. So that, and then that was my next thing. And, and so she did, she goes bald now. She doesn't How wear any she hats now? or wigs. She's 24. Yep. Actually, I think she just turned 25 just this last, just a couple months ago. So she's 25 and she's the one that's pregnant with twins, which is awesome. Oh my gosh. Twin grandbabies. Yeah. I can't. I know. With you. I know. One's a little girl, one's a little boy. So I'm super excited I, about I, that. I told you that is a lot of winner right there. Yeah, it is. It is. It's one and done. No, I'm just kidding. Or maybe she'll do it again. I don't or know. Two and, <laughs> but, um, two and done. Yeah, two and done. Uh-huh. Exactly. One pregnancy. But you also, so you, at that point though, when, when she was younger, you had struggled with just like little patches, but then yep. you fully lost your hair. So here you are, you're counseling yes, your daughter and you're telling yep. her all these positive things and you're really yep. not dealing with what she's dealing with. And then suddenly you are in the exact same boat, Julie. Yep. Suddenly, boom. I Here I am. I am trying to run my small business where, you know, I'm on the floor all the time and I, I'm running a staff of, you know, 25 people and this and that and the other. And my hair's falling out. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? And it got to the point to where, you know, I had to start to wear wigs and it was far more difficult than I even imagined. And especially, you know, looking back at my daughter thinking, wow, she had these feelings already. And, you know, I did not quite understand what she was, what she was going through, but I finally lost all my hair. I think it was 39 right around there and boom, it's gone. All I would have instead of occasional patches of baldness, now I had occasional patches of this weird, weird colored wiry hair. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, and that was, and, and still is, I mean, I, I still always am self-conscious about it. It is something that well, is I never knew difficult. girl. So let yeah. me just say, and I was all yeah. up. Yeah. I didn't care. I was like COVID schmovid. I'm seeing Julie. Yeah. I jumped your bones. <laughs> Basically made out with you. Yeah. <laughs> risked everything because yeah, I risked so much. And, yeah. and I did not know. So that that should tell you something right there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And and you know, and and 
for me, that's great because I do like, you know, as a woman, I care about what I look like. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be, oh, she's that bald chef or I don't want to be whatever. Instead, what I need to, you know, so I'll wear wigs and I'll wear, sometimes I'll wear short wigs. Sometimes I'll wear dark wigs. You know, if people know about it, that's totally fine with me, but on a personal level and an emotional level is where I struggle with it. You know, it's, I want to still feel feminine and feel pretty. Um, and I want to, to be able to still be myself and just comfortable with who I am, no matter what happens to me, no matter what I look like, you know? And I think that that's a struggle that a lot of women, deal with, you know, no matter where they are in life and no matter what issue they are. And, and sometimes it's not as dramatic as, oh my gosh, all your hair's gone tomorrow. But at the same time, all of them can feel the same. They can be just as difficult to get over. And, and it's hard to, to keep your self-esteem up and your self-worth when you're, when things are starting to change about you that you don't have control over. Yeah. But your daughter is now almost it, there's almost a little role reversal going on. Oh yeah. Heck right? yeah. Cause like here, here you are her whole life. You're like, it's okay. You're beautiful. Yep. I love you. Your hair doesn't really make you. And now yeah. you're like, oh damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so now you have to almost like listen to her, right? I, oh yeah, totally. You what know, does she I, tell you? What is she, what did she say to you when it happened to you? Oh, well, I remember feeling terrible about myself one day and I was just kind of crying and I was just kind of sitting in a chair and I was being quiet about it, you know, cause I'm not, you know, it was just kind of, she could tell that I was struggling with that. And she came in, she just crawled on my lap and she told me, she's like, mom, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. What matters is what God thinks about you and what your family thinks about you. And we're here. And I just, yeah, I just remember feeling like, okay, you know, I thought maybe I was dealing with a little bit of alopecia so I could help Aubrey, but it was completely the other way around. You know, she was my support and she was the one that was telling me, you know, you're not defined by this situation that has happened to you. You know, you get to get up and you get to still be you and you get to still be just as great as you were before and you and don't you dare let anything hold you back super but powerful I like also Julie that you you know you don't want to lead with it and that you know I don't yeah, yeah. we don't always lead. I mean first of all Landon has no choice my son has an arm with a, and it's a it's a physical difference and I'm sorry but you just see it you know it's just what yeah it is. yeah although yeah. he forgets about it and there's sort of a beauty right. in being born with something because it's just the only thing you ever knew and that's what it is yeah. who cares much right, right. harder when things happen to you, especially older, where you're like, oh God, what is happening? Very right. hard to like adjust. But I can understand that you don't want to just be like, that's like me, your thing you're leading with. It's like, no, I'm a mother and a wife and a chef and I'm a restaurateur. Yeah. And yes, I have alopecia. But like, does that have to be the first, you know? So I like that you you know that about yourself, that it's not the thing you want to lead with, but you also are unafraid to talk about it and to say, yeah. yes, I do. This do, I do have this. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in some ways you almost have to just embrace it as part of who you are and part of your journey to help create who you want to become. A hundred percent. You don't have to love it, but you have to embrace it a little bit. That's so so true. You don't have to love it, but you have to embrace it. Oh my God. Those are, those are the truest COVID words I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Well, actually, you know what? We never even talked about that. How, so before I get into my next question, how did you pivot the restaurant during COVID? Because I know that is like, I don't even know how you sit open. Yeah, it was it was very challenging. It was definitely, you know, one of these things like, oh, we're gonna have to close. 
oh goodness, you know, um, my first thought was, what about my staff? You know, because I have several people that, you know, support their families on the income that they make there. And and so I was really concerned about that. They allowed us to go, which was good. And and my restaurant is not really a to-go restaurant. It's kind of more no, of a your restaurant's fancy. Yeah, it's a little on the fancier side, that's for sure. And so then I was like, okay, let's uh, let's keep our same food standards. You know, we make everything from scratch. We get everything as local as possible. You know, we really, we actually are cooking there. You know, it is a chef restaurant. And how can we tweak just a little and translate that into food that travels better, that people will want for to go? And so we did. We um, added a few more like gourmet sandwiches and burgers and changed up a couple of ways that we did some of our most popular dishes and our appetizers. And, and the community really, you know, just stepped up and supported us. And, you know, we had some people that would call and be like, Julie, I'm so worried about you. We're getting lunch every week. (laughs) <laughs> or, or I'm so worried about your staff, you know, we're getting lunch every week. And I'm like, that is very sweet. Thank you so much. And yeah. And then, and we were just able to do it. We, we have thankfully uh, retained the majority of our people, which is great. Cause now we're open back up to 50%. Yay. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts actually on the 22nd. So we're almost at 50%, but I can't wait for it. And of course there's all these costs and I had the windows changed out so we could do open air. I had dividers built in between each table so oh that we could. God, all the money you, know, you had to spend yeah. to just adapt to this craziness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And anyway, so it was a little bit crazy there. And, and there's a couple of nice nonprofits that in the food industry, there's one called Big Table that's here locally in Spokane. And, you know, they gave us a handful of gift cards to, for food to, you know, like at the grocery store to give out to people. So there's a lot of people that were generous and trying to, you know, help, help a lot of small businesses in this area make the best of the situation. And, but, you know, that's just what we did. And I have my core group, my managers, they've been with me for a long time and, and, you know, we just worked as hard as we could to just make the best possible lemon or lemonade out of this pile of lemons that we got and and we're still doing it you know we're still doing it you you really made it though I mean I think things are going to improve from here on out so I mean congratulations from doing the ultimate (laughs) pivot I guess is what I would say is going from a fine dining restaurant to being like now we're going to have food to go here we go like like, you know (laughs) that's that's not an easy uh thing to do Um, you tell me that your greatest lesson has been to follow your own advice which I love so much yes. <laughs> because it's funny, right? We're such good. We're so good as women at giving out advice, but guess what? <laughs> we're mm-hmm. not great at taking our own. Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> tell me, tell me what you mean by that. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, what I mean by that is I have built a wonderful family. I have built a wonderful business. I have tried to build myself along the way. And most of the time I forget about that. Most of the time I'm telling other people how to improve their life and how to improve their situation. Or And I offer so, you know, a lot of times I don't even charge when I'm talking to people in my consulting business, which I need to be better at. And so I need to honor what I have built. And I need to believe that when I tell other people how great they're doing and things like that. I need to, I need to allow myself to have, to feel that as well. And I'm always thinking, oh, whatever, you know, let's focus here, here, here. And sometimes I just need to stop and I need to say, okay, in every part of your life and with your alopecia, with everything, with your business, with your family, stop and honor where you are. Stop and honor what you've built. Stop and honor where you want to go and just, you know, keep moving forward and just, just honor it. (laughs) 
yeah, maybe take take a moment and feel it and 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 congratulate yourself and celebrate yourself for all the things you do go through and what have warriored your way through warrior woman. Um, <laughs> tell me what's next for you. What, like, I know, I, I don't know if you can talk about what we talked about, but I put that question there just in case you could. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm always trying to build and, and, and everything else like that. And I can't quite talk about it yet, but yes, I, you know, I want to build me as a consultant. I want to build, you know, chef is a stepping point to me, obviously, because I, I always wanted to own the restaurant and I want to continue to build that empire. I want to continue to own more restaurants and give more people opportunity to, to come in and, and have their dream, you know, in the restaurant and hospitality industry. So there's a lot coming up. That's all I can say really about it right now. Dang, there's something I'm telling you and I can't say it. Darn. (laughs) Okay, fine. All right, Julie, we're on to the speed round. This is like the fun times right now. Okay. 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 Are you ready? What is your cocktail of choice? Like mules. I know that that seems kind of elementary, but what it is, is it's the spice. I like the balance. I like it to be, I like the spice there. I like the sweet there. I like the fruit flavor there. I know that's, that's just. And you said Moscow mules that we said? Yes. 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 Or any kind. Yeah, they're great. So that's that. I had like a blueberry lavender yeah. Moscow mule. And it was divine, by the way. It was like heavens. What what kind of, do you make, do you make them at the restaurant too? Yeah, we do. Right now we, we have a blood orange one, which is really good and a huckleberry. And then there's like a lavender um, passion, which is really good. So just kind of the, that whole spicy ginger thing is I think the thing that pulls me in and then kind of, I like the sweet too. So the spicy thing of the ginger beer. So yummy. Just like you, a little sweet, little spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, mantra or quote you live by? I would say the mon. I don't know. The mantra would be, I always like to say horsepower. And that goes back to another one of your questions. I know <laughs> uh, that has to do with my dad and, and growing up, he was an entrepreneur and he was born one of 11 kids. Not no. all of them made it. Yeah. And in poverty in Wyoming and he actually slept at the foot. It was a one room shack that wasn't even insulated. You could like look through the walls. I, I went to visit there uh, once with my grandma for my grandma's funeral. And you could look through the slats of the wall and see outside. And he slept on the foot of his parents' bed till he was 17. Nuh-uh. Yeah. And they were definitely in poverty. And uh, my dad lost his dad. They, they, were, they worked on a farm and lost him when he was 17. And that kind of changed him. He then became, he wasn't the oldest son, but he was one of the oldest. And he then made it his life's determination to, to work hard and to make something of himself. And he ended up pulling his entire family out of poverty, he sent his sister to school, got a house for his mom, and he just worked really hard. And, and anyway, he used to always tell me when I was little, he'd always be like, Oh, you know, cause I was a little feisty because you, I can't imagine. why." And he used to always say, Ooh, you've got horsepower and you're going to go places. You've got horsepower. And so, and that was a little bit of his Wyoming cowboy or whatever I it is. I love that. I love that. So, yeah. So whatever I feel like I can't do something, I'm always thinking mm, horsepower, I can do that. And so (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay. What makes you feel unstoppable? Okay. I think my ambition and uh, determination, you know, cause I mean, I might not be the most educated. I might not be the most financially set up or even the smartest, although I think I'm pretty darn smart, but I will give anyone a run for their money when it comes to ambition and determination. 
you know, even if I don't know everything, I'm going to learn it. <laughs> and I'm going to figure out how to make things work. So that what makes me feel unstoppable is my desire to just keep going. I love it, Julie. Who do you admire? Definitely my dad. He is someone uh, watching him. You know, he wasn't perfect. You know, of course, you know, most people are not. But watching him make something out of nothing and continue to always push forward to really follow his dreams and his goals. That's been very inspiring to me. Horsepower. Horsepower. I'm never going to forget that. I love that. I'm going to start using that myself. Um, who, what are you most proud of? I am most proud of my kids and and my my family, my husband and my kids. I think that, you know, they are, I want them to be who they, whoever they are. And I want them to be strong and independent. And I have really been proud to watch them make their way. And I think that I get a lot of fulfillment and pride out of that because I am very proud of all of them. And same thing with my husband. I, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I've known him when he was young and stupid. And so was I, and, <laughs> and just to be able to kind of, you know, watch him become the person he wants to be. And, and he's always trying to be better. You know, he's very humble and, you know, is always trying to, to make things around, you know, our home and our life, just peaceful and happy and, and just better. And he's just like, everybody's rock. So I think that's what I'm most proud of. I mean, no wonder you kept him for 29 years. <laughs> he's a rock for God's sake. Yeah, um, he is. <laughs> what is exciting you the most right now? Well, I love building and creating. I love everything from new marketing stat, marketing strategies, entrepreneurship. I love innovation. I love creativity. And right now I love finding my way to my dream. And it has been a very difficult process, you know, through COVID and through everything else that's, that's kind of going on, but the path is still forging forward. And that uh, brings a lot of excitement and fulfillment to me. I love it. Julie, thank you so much for doing this yeah. with me today. I mean, Absolutely. this is like a good time for me. This is going to be the best part of my day. I know that. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. And I love learning about you. This is like, I mean, I've, I feel like you talking about some of this stuff is really going, especially alopecia is really going to help, you know, people yeah. who are going through this. Cause like, my God, good. to have COVID go through and go through and all the things you've been through and then to have something on top of it, which we all have something on top of everything else that's going on. But it's just, you know, it's that so great you. that you are talking about it. So I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And it's so fun to see you because you are so awesome. <laughs> I know. We just love each other. We're just going to have to I keep know. our love affair going. I'm going to, okay. <laughs> I'm finding ways to get my butt to Spokane again and again and again. And then you can come visit me because I have the warm weather. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect. I have a guest room. Just saying. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a positive review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.